technical things here, like trying to let everybody in the room. Uh, if you want to make me co-host, I'm happy to support you on the uh, technical yeah. side. That would be cool. Yep. All right. See, hold on one second. Oh. My Apple expert has stepped in. It's her computer. We're trying it this time to see if we can make it work. Jeff is now co-host. Great. We are recording. Okay. Everybody is in already. Everybody's in? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Just checking out everybody who's here. Joseph is here. Mia's there. Phyllis and Janet. Okay. All right. Uh, please let me know if you can hear me. Because last week I was using it. It's bad. This is not good. Some people can hear me and some people can't hear me. This is life. This is life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, at least Shannon is here. In case we end up asking Shannon to read again, because it could be like that. So really, is it bad? You know, we're moving next week. We're going to go to a different place. And we'll have a different setup, I think. I need to make a decision with everybody's help if uh, it's okay for me to talk or if you can't really hear me. So I don't know actually what the recording's like either. So I imagine the recording is kind of some average. Let's see. Getting... You're cutting in and out occasionally yeah. for me. All right, thanks Leslie. Yeah. I can hear so, so you people very can well. Hear, Phyllis can hear yeah. and other people cannot hear. Well, my proposal then is you can log in 
zoom on on the phone. I'll set it up so that you can read from the original keyboard. It's too complicated. I'm gonna just I'm gonna just uh, I'm gonna ask Shannon to read again, and we'll wing it like that. Shannon, you knew it was gonna happen, didn't you? You, you knew that you'd be back online. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let, please let me hear from some of you. What, what solutions have you come up with lately? Like what, what have you, what, Shannon, go ahead. I invented a new tool. <laughs> It's called the LDC, which, is, which stands for Low Drama Changer. And it's, I find it appropriate changer because it's also a changer is a piece of computer equipment that holds disks and allows you to change them out. And so this is how it works. And, I, and this is from Qigong. You take three breaths and it locks in your feet chakra and then your your root chakra and then your throat to, to, to contain the energy. And so it's three quick breaths. And I do it when I find that I am stuck in a story or giving my center away. I harness my LDC. What's the, what's the result? What changes? I come back to being present and centered with the now, with the small now. Nice, thank you. <laughs> it's all this stuff is copy left. Remember, it's copy left. All right. So, somebody else. I picture, I picture reciting the letters, LDC. <laughs> thank you. Who else? Who else has some solution? Some some kind of solution that you came up with. I can't see everybody's hand, so if you have one, just start talking. I'll share one that I've been working with. I've been working with some self-observation <clears throat> tools, and sometimes I'm under the impression that um, I'm a lot freer in my movements and have a lot more agency than I do. And so the, the self-observation tool I've been working with is first observing what's happening inside of me, and then observing the next thought that happens. And then the next one after the, the cascading series of thoughts that happens. So the first one is often something like, oh, I'm doing that thing again. And then the second one is, I'm a fucking idiot. And then I observe that. And then um, very quickly over the last week, I keep hitting this place of just feeling kind of screwed in, uh, in the position of, wow, there really is no escape. Uh, there, there, I, something like I am everywhere to control and keep this mechanism going. Um, so that's, that's all. Devin, you're really clear about the self-observation that it, it's absolutely neutral. It's just absolutely without judgment, with no story attached, no, it's, you don't get to do any of this stuff. You don't, you don't get to like beat yourself up. Like, you know, this is not part of self-observation. You got that part? Yeah, I, I think that's exactly what I was starting to observe is okay. that 
there's escaping the moments that I had this week that felt mm, new for me were the moments of seeing something like how deeply ingrained my desire to fix when, when I see that I'm doing some pattern or engaged in something, the next thought is almost always some solution or desire to fix. And I, I hadn't quite been able to see that that was happening, mm -hmm. that it was always like, oh, I'm doing this thing again. Let me make an adjustment or whatever. And staying in the position of not making the adjustment um, yeah. I guess I felt how challenging that was. Yeah, I mean, thank you for bringing this up. I was, I've just been meditating on how crucial the self-observation part is to this kind of work. And the thing about, about self-observation that usually undermines most people is having to stay in the pain the fear or the anger or the sadness or whatever it's to stay in the pain of what you observe without implementing any kind of change initiative. It, because as soon as, you know, as soon as, you know, if you're observing something and then and as soon as you try to make it different, you've, you've completely destroyed the thing that you're looking at. You don't, you have no more chance to observe it. And the, I think the catalytic element in the observation is the force of consciousness itself. There's this incredible transformational agency in awareness. And it's this, it's the Heisenberg uncertainty principle thing that we were talking about. The closer you look at the thing, the, the more it can changes all by itself. But as soon as you try to fix it, or change it or go, God, this is bad, or this is good. It, it just, the, the system comes apart. And so it's this thing about just gazing upon it without judging good or bad and without any change initiative and feeling the pain of it. And it's this, this horror of the situation, this pain of, oh my God, how many years have I been doing this? Why didn't anybody tell me? How powerless am I so far to make a change in this? Yeah, okay. All right. You're, yeah, I, to turn, maybe turn off your video and just keep audio, try that. Okay. In any case, let me see. Yeah. Clinton, can you repeat? Yes. Can you repeat, can you repeat the part? Uh, observing, not trying to fix, and then how important it is. There were so many interruptions. Sorry. Yeah, the, there's this combination. Most people just try to notice what we are up to, which is a huge step. But the real changes I've been noticing, they happen when I notice without judging it good or bad. You know, this is right or this is wrong, because we are noticing also things that work, positive things. So, and to not try to make a change initiative at all, no effort to shift anything. And 
also feel the pain of it. Just to sit there in the pain of, oh my God, how long have I been doing this? How many, why didn't somebody else tell me about this? And, to, and it's, it's almost like turning on a television and seeing something really worthless or bad, or you wanna change the channel. You know, it's, you want to change the channel. There's this impulse to change the channel and to sit there and not change the channel and just notice, just be with it. And just to see how the thing goes along. And that's, is your crucial elements for self-observation. It's this allowing a consciousness itself, the force of consciousness to do its work. And it isn't, it isn't usually sudden. I just want to tell you that it, there's no usual enlightenment experience. It's, a, it's this process of building matrix. It's like if you're designing a map of a city, you have to have a certain number of a certain, how do you say this? A certain clarity in your map to, to, you have to have enough streets and buildings and landmarks marked out before you can make a decision to change something. So the observation is about getting more detail, getting more density of observation points. It's, and it's horrible because of what we're observing is the underworld. It's the underworld observation. So, yeah. Anyway, so thanks for bringing that up. Devin, that's, I'm, I'm so glad you're working on that. Thank you for sharing uh, your experience, Connie. Yeah. Is there somebody else who had, Leslie, you have a solution for us or something? Well, yes, the um, same basic topic. I, I, I got feedback and observed myself um, one specific thing of observed letting my gremlin be honest with a group of friends um, be honest in a way that was for my for some kind of entertainment or some kind of superiority so I felt bad about it and I, I knew right away I should you know, feeling bad wasn't the solution. And then I brought it up in all my different PM uh, groups. And I'm now more active uh, setting my gremlin on a schedule and feel a new motivation about getting that going. Thank you. I'm gonna Thank you turn up the video again. I just, I'll, I'll say this again later, I'm sure, but I have, I have been avoiding, I have been avoiding the, the whole kind of concept of feedback lately in terms of asking for feedback, but particularly giving feedback. Can you hear that? I'm, I'm mostly skipping, avoiding giving feedback or asking for feedback. 
more what I'm trying to do is uh, ask for explanation or like, um, like instead of telling somebody they uh, are not connecting with me, for example, you're, you're avoiding me. I would instead turn it around and say, um, what, what could I do? What could change so I could connect with you better? It's using a question and a vacuum rather than feedback and pressure. So I think feedback and pressure has some uses, but try to experiment with this, with this um, inquiry. Florian, you have a, something about my sound, something to fix my sound. Can you tell me? Well, basically on Zoom, um, next to the audio button, you have a, a tiny arrow that lets you choose your microphone and your speaker. And you could say switch to phone audio, and then you would call in with your phone and you would be on a phone connection for the audio and you could keep the camera on. Um, it okay. might take a couple of minutes to try and to find the right setup. All right. Thank you. I heard you. And I think uh, we'll just start with asking Shannon to read. And I'll try for that next week. OK? Thank you, Florian. Yeah, I'm sorry about that technical thing. But uh, let's, let's read. Let's read ahead. Come on, we're, we're on page, I think, Shannon, what are we on page 97? Are we on the mixing feeling section? Where are we? I'm, what, are I'm getting any, there. You, mixing feelings. Yeah. Bottom of page 97. Okay. Clinton, can you repeat the question that you ask in the vacuum? What can I do to? I have to invent it each time. It's an invention process, but the question is, what what could I what could I do to connect with you better? If somebody you know if somebody's leaving, if somebody's not connecting, um, I don't say hey, I don't blame them. I don't I don't give them feedback. I make this more of a safe space in a vacuum, and I call I call out from, I'm just saying, hey, what can I do to connect with you better? What, who, what would it take? What would it take for you to feel more interested in connecting with me? It's a different question. What would it take for you to be more inspired to connect with me? And, th and this could be with anything. So, in, yeah. All right. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, experiment with that, okay? It's really great stuff. Yeah. Mixing feelings. Feelings are most useful when felt in their pure form. 
if you can, if you consciously or unconsciously experience your feelings in a mixed form, that is not distinctly experienced one from the other, then you are mixing feelings. Mixing feelings is not bad or wrong, but it tends to take your natural power and clarity away. Marion Lutz, who developed the map of mix, mixing feelings in 2003, found that people rapidly acquired clarity and enthusiasm as soon as they started experiencing their feelings clearly and distinctly, separating mixed feelings and feeling them in their pure form uses inner navigation skills. Your depression, for example, mixing anger with sadness produces the sensation commonly known as depression. The result is automatic. What it feels like to mix anger with sadness is depression. These two feelings do not have to be mixed together. Even if you feel both anger and sadness about the same thing, the two feelings can be experienced each in its own measure, distinctly and clearly. You never need to mix your feelings. Mixing anger with sadness is like mixing beer and cow poop together. Beer has its own uses. Cow poop has its own uses. If you mix the two of them together, all you get is slime. The same is true of feelings. Mixing anger and sadness automatically produces the feeling slime, experience called depression. To step out of depression, focus your intention to distinguish your anger from your sadness. Reach into your chest and pull the two feelings apart from each other with your fingers. This is with your- Pull your anger. It's with your energetic fingers. I think we started to talk about this before, but it's you really, you extend your, your, finger, your energetic fingers right into your body like that. You reach all the way back to your ribs and you pull them, it takes you, and it's very loud and it's, it's very, it's painful. And you, and you have to go layer after layer. It takes about 20 minutes, but you can do this. Thank you for letting me interrupt. I actually want you to go further. <laughs> pull your anger into your right hand and your sadness into your left hand. Put the sadness on a shelf so you can get to it later. Bring the anger back into your chest. Then you have your clarity and power back because you can experience and express pure anger. Next, you can put the anger on a shelf and pull the sadness back into your chest and experience and express your sadness. You feel anger in one moment, sadness in the next moment, and there is no more mixing, so there will be no more depression. Mixing sadness with fear produces isolation or Ingrid, desperation. Shannon, uh, I think Ingrid had a question. Let's go ahead. Yes, I had a question. Um, the question is, uh, when you said that um, uh, 
the demixing of uh, mixed emotions takes about 20 minutes. Is it, is it just the separation or is it already uh, uh, including uh, the, the, the expression of the, the anger and the expression of the sadness separately? Just the separation takes that time. Wow. But, yeah, because, because it has layers. We found over the years that if you just try to do it once and then you think it's finished and you're in your mind kind of and you have the concept that the feelings are separated, the emotions actually are separated, that it isn't really so. That you really need to go to the next layer and the next layer and you go down and down and you pull them apart. And then, and I then- mean, this sounds- Go ahead. I just think that that it's, I think it's very, it's worthy of, for me, um, I would never want to say, oh, Clinton, how exactly how long does it take for someone to separate their anger from their sadness? I mean, reality is not on some clock and this is not some scientifically proven thing. I think it's strange to presume, you know, you could say like in my experience, I've noticed, but I, I, I just think it's very strange that somebody would want to go to you for clarity on ex the exact timing of separating feelings because, you know, everybody's path with their feelings and relating that is unique. As I've, as I've noticed, that's been my life experience. So I just wanted to pause and think, I don't know, it's just a strange thing. It's very strange to me. Thank you. Cool. So, yeah, Florian. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. So just keep going. I mean, I just wanted to. I felt like I had to interject that. Florian. Yeah. Um. I was wondering about. I guess about your experience with um, like unmixing anger and sadness, unmixing depression, because there are like, like some. There's a like a spectrum on depression. Like some people are depressed for a little while about something maybe and mm -hmm. some people experience like chronic depression over many years i'm wondering what's your experience about people with like really long-term chronic depression i the certainly there are depressions that are caused by chemical imbalances in the brain that require other methods so I can only refer to my own personal experience where part of my survival strategy was to not be angry, to be a nice boy. And I did that by mixing the sadness in and I was never angry. I remember when my, my favorite color was red until I was about four or five years old. Until I was about five years old, my favorite color was red. And it's at that point that I put in the the good boy thing, and my favorite color changed to green. I remember this. And so, I mean, and so that's just one story. That's just my story. I had a low level depression ongoingly till I was 39 years old. And it stopped immediately as soon as I got my anger clarity back. There's a, a plenty of people over and over again, stories of people who have had similar, who've been actually taking drugs to be undepressed. To, and what that actually does is suppress the whole 
emotional experience. And so I've had people come in who had were using drugs for 20 years and they would do this process and then with, they could just go off the drug completely and there was no longer depression at all. So I can give you written affidavits about that. So um, the, the length of time, it uh, depends on how the depression is coming about, I think. Um, but it's, this is, I just need to say it over and over again, this whole unmixing feelings thing started in 2003, but it's been a secret. You know, we can't tell enough people, not enough experiments have been going on. I am sure there are people locked up in institutions all over the planet who are just mixing their emotions together and they just don't have clarity and their therapists do not have clarity about how to unmix those emotions. So I encourage you to do the experiments with yourself and with your clients because it's so effective when it works like that. So yeah, did that help Florian? Yes, thank you. Okay, great, cool. Shannon, you want to keep going or with somebody else? Pull your anger into your right hand with your sadness into your left hand and your sadness into your left hand. Put the sadness on a shelf so you can get to it later. Bring the anger back into your chest. Oh, wait, did I read this already? Yeah. Yeah, I read that. Yeah. You're in the second next paragraph. Okay, mixing sadness. Mixing sadness with fear produces isolation or desperation. Mixing sadness with joy produces sentimentality or nostalgia. Mixing anger and fear produces hysteria. Mixing fear and joy produces careless risk, such as gambling or speeding. Mixing anger and joy produces, haha, I got you. I win, you lose. Feeling glad when someone else feels pain. In German, there is a perfect word for this, schadenfreude, damaged joy. Mixing three or four feelings all together can produce emotional or psychological breakdown. For example, jealousy is mixing rage, fear and sadness together. That is why jealousy can grab you with such force. When jealousy has its crusty hand wrapped around your heart, everything else fades into the background. Unwrap jealousy the same way you unwrap depression. Untangle all three feelings with clarity, one from the other and bring them into their pure form. Then, Experience and express each of these three feelings individually. No more jealousy. We pause for the just clarity a clarity about Shannon. Can yeah, you yeah. <clears throat> There's. I just want to say we've done a lot of research since the book about this particular thing, because uh, there's been whole books written that include a fifth feeling called shame. Where And shame is really a, a mixture of the three feelings, anger, sadness, and fear in a particular proportion that gives you the experience of shame. And when you 
dismantle when you pull those three apart and communicate them to someone. It, you need to actually tell them to someone else. It doesn't really work so well at the beginning to do it just in your own self. It works much better to express it to somebody involved and to take it apart. But shame is a mixed feeling. Disgust, they did this whole movie, uh, uh, Pixar did this whole movie about um, inside out or something. It's about these emotions and they throw in a fifth feeling called disgust. And disgust is just another mixed emotion, but it's interesting because it's mixed uh, fear. Fear is mixed <clears throat> with anger and nausea. So when you have disgust, you have this nauseating feeling. You're angry about being nauseated. You're afraid it might keep going or you're afraid you don't know where it comes from or what it will do, you mix anger and fear and nausea together and you get disgust. And then, so it's, so there really are, as far as we've been able to find out, still these four core feelings and uh, emotions. And uh, I just really, the importance of this is, is hard to imagine because people have gone to war, people have killed themselves you know, because they have despair or isolation. People kill other people because they have anger mixed with fear and that's this aggression feeling. So, I mean, there's so many um, possibilities for creating a different future for yourself and for other people as soon as you get this thing about unmixing emotions, really unmixing. So I just hope we, and just imagine, this is the thing, imagine trying to be in relationship with someone and you have mixed emotions and it's, they're trying to be with you or the other way around, they're having mixed emotions and you're trying to be with them. And it, it just creates this swamp, this confusion. And so, I, I hope that you can carry this with you in your day and night and uh, keep just, you know, have the question, is this a mixed emotion? The thing is, when these things are mixed and, and it comes in your body as an experience, it feels so real. It feels so real. I felt shame. I felt jealousy. You know, you can't even taste your orange juice. It is so intense, these, the isolation, you know, this nostalgia, you know, all of these huge mixed emotions have that, such a power. And it's, I, yeah. So I just wanted to pause for a second and consider how much there is to learn and share with other people about that. And at what a big service it is when whenever somebody sits with you in a session and you can help them take apart these emotions and they have a whole new experience of themselves. What a gift that is for people. So I hope that you take courage and that you do that. Nicole? I wanted to add 
a piece about how often also I find that my thoughts are mixing with my feelings and then bringing other feelings into mix. Like for me, for example, like when I'm having the experience of shame, I'm having this, the, the mixed feelings of, of sadness and anger and fear. And I'm mixing in the thought that it's my fault, I'm bad, I'm wrong. So I find that there's also this kind of lateral unmixing between the thoughts and feelings that helps to then make it more possible to unmix the feelings and, and go in, like have the observation happening too, which is like we were saying earlier, so transformational. Yeah, you're, you're starting to call in another factor. And the factor has to do with, uh, uh, one of the factors has to do with uh, little vampire entities. So I'm gonna try to type in, could, well, anyway, could somebody type in Spark 135? Spark 135, because you can find it on the Spark page, but it, it has to do with very clear instructions about shutting the cafe. I, I mentioned before how you, as you become more aware of yourself, more conscious, more present, you be also become a tastier buffet for energetic vampire entities. And so what happens is all it needs is one little phrase in your mind that you just said, to open the cafe. So um, just keep it in mind that when you start mixing stories with emotions, that you can, that it opens up a whole doorway to, uh, you, it isn't a simple matter of expressing and completing the emotions. There's something else, yeah, thank you. There's something else going on. There's something else going on easily. So. So um, I guess what I'm saying is don't get frustrated if you try to complete and communicate or take apart and express your emotion and it doesn't go away. Because when, you're, when you trigger a vampire, when you use a trigger phrase for a vampire, it'll, it can take you down for three days, a week, 10 days even like that. So I just thank you for Florian for writing that in there. Clinton, I have another question. You mentioned a few times now nausea with the mixed feeling. And I'm wondering, nausea, is nausea also a mixed feeling like with fear and anger on a physical level? Yeah, I, my experience is that different people are wired in different ways about that. That, that you have to go deeper. There isn't a simple uh, answer for the nausea thing. There's so many things, you know, it could be uh, straight fear. It could be suppressed anger. It could be um, a, a memory of a nightmare, for example. I've been surprised how many people we have unconscious memories of nightmares. Nobody listened to us. We forgot that we had the nightmare, but we made some old decision 
about the nightmare. Like I will never go there again, or I never, I will never open closet doors or I'll never drink green liquid or whatever. And anytime we get it close to the thing that was in the nightmare, it can just bring up this whole nausea stuff. So I think nausea is a, is a big doorway for many things to, and to just go to just to listen better with it, to listen deeper into it. Can really be a lot. Okay. Great. Anybody else, anything right now? I can't see everybody's hand, so you actually have to speak out. With the unmixing of shame, uh, do we do the same thing with uh, energetical fingers or is it expressing the different feelings and, and feeling them? It's, you do express it while you're using your energetical fingers. You do express it. It is painful. It is loud. If it is not painful and loud, then you're just up in your head. You're just doing it in your head and it's not really, it won't work. You need to go into your emotional body and separate those things out. To me, it looks like kind of blue spaghetti and pink spaghetti mixed together, different color spaghetti. You really have to untangle the things and pull them apart, really separate them out. And so, yes, it's like- Thank you. Uh, yeah. I, can I have something to do it? Mm. Let's see, I don't know who was first. Ingrid, go ahead. I just was asking, can you do it? Can you do it? Can you show it how you do it? Yeah, it'll go off the level of the microphone for, you know, you won't hear it, you know, but I really, so, you know, if I was doing fear and anger, fear and anger mixed together is aggression, right? It's mixed together, it's aggression, it's kind of part of revenge, it's that. But if I go in there, you know, if I separate fear and aggression, it goes like this. It goes, just one layer and you put that in, take a breath, go and do the next one. It goes like that. Well, my, my curiosity about this is that I'm wondering because I've been drawing, I've been drawing little pictures of the emotions and I'm giving them each an element. So sadness is the tears, the water and anger is the fire and I gave I gave fear like a lightning bolt, like electricity. And, uh, and then I gave joy like a rainbow. And I started wondering about in my own experience too. And maybe this is sort of, maybe this is an interesting inquiry or maybe it's not for some, but the feeling that in terms of separating them, that sometimes what happens is, is just that there's the lit, it's, like, it's not that they're intertwined necessarily, but that they're layered. So you go to the one, like in one way of separating is sort of to get to the, the extrapolated emotion. And then 
like somehow digging down, like working with fear first and then the anger. And because I, I find, I, I don't know, I've noticed just a f in the emotional processes, sometimes, sometimes fear is the first. Play. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It seems like you're kind of off some, like somewhere. It seems like you're out. You've gone into your own world for a bit here. Can you just, can you just back off a little and come in more in what's happening here into this? Yeah, I'm talking about the separating emotions and going through them one at a time. It doesn't seem that doesn't seem like I'm in my own world to me. But I'm, I'm, I hear your feedback. Uh, I did not kill my microphone just to tell you. It cuts off at a certain level of intensity. So we know this because we do Rage Club and Fear Club online. And at a certain intensity, the microphone goes off. So it was really loud over here. And yeah. Cool. Uh, did somebody else have a different kind of question about this, or should we go back to Shannon? Christina, were you going to say something? Right, Shannon, would you please carry on reading for us? Yeah. Thank you. The clarity about mixing feelings is not yet known in our culture. If you are a therapist or healer and you integrate the procedure of requiring your clients to separate their feelings distinctly one from the other while they communicate, you will be shocked by how effectively this procedure supports their development. Your results could bring you to ask a rather frightening question. How many people are prescribed with brain chemicals or actually locked away in institutions because our culture does not yet have this clarity about the four feelings and not mixing feelings together? Human beings have the capacity to start learning about feelings when we are about seven years old. Our schools do not provide this clarity. To add such clarity to our schooling would require that teachers get trained to have the clarity first. The students can only go as far as the teachers can go. If you understand what I'm saying and you care about children and our schools, you have a job on your desk. Provide teachers with training in clarity about feelings. Is anyone, is anyone doing that? Is anyone, <clears throat> is anyone able to support um, teachers in their working with more body than just the intellectual body as school is mostly focused on the intellectual body. Is anyone here working, Pontus, you're doing that? 
Okay. No, I'm not doing it. You, uh, your voice got louder. That was my thumbs up. Okay. I thought I lost my voice from screaming. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah. So my question is, yeah, is anybody here involved in getting to um, actually work with teachers? I mean, there's been very few teachers who have come to expand the box training. In my in my expand the box trainings, is very few. Jeff, what are you finding? So. I'm, uh, I'm working with a medical school student who is also training other medical students around uh, how they communicate with patients. And he has been totally shocked by these processes that we've been working on together and helping him to feel his feelings and really understand them each individually. And it has, I mean, anecdotally been impacting the way that he works with his students. So. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Oh, great. Christina? Yeah, I, I did ETP long before I became a teacher. Oh, wow. And now, and now I'm working as a teacher, but I want to say something else right now. And I feel, I feel fear, but... Um, at the beginning, you were just talking about how we can connect better and asking more the question, what can I do to connect more? And I saw Clay saying something very important because I'm actually agreeing with her and now she's off. She's out of the call and I'm not okay with that. And it's because there, there was there was not good, from my perspective, not good communication going on. And I feel very fearful right now to say this, but it's not okay for me because um, from my perspective, she was right because it can be processes where you go through layers of the feelings and then there can be processes where you have to separate feelings. So, and from my perspective, she just tried to say that and yeah, and now she's out and yeah. Yeah, thank you. I don't know how many calls you've been in where uh, she's participated, but there's a, you know, we're trying to work with this technology of we're not in the same space and there's a lot going on that is not visible. And there's a, we have to invent some kind of protocol about how to do this call. And we've been doing it for a long time. <clears throat> we've had many, many meetings that have been amazingly successful because we've invented a protocol together to, to work in this space. And so uh, I don't know how to teach the protocol and maybe we could focus on that, how to teach the protocol to make this space extraordinary but there's sometimes when a participation in a certain way in the space just wipes out wipes that out it's like outside of the protocol what do we do then i um this is very precious time for us and i'm willing enough to be an asshole to ask somebody to leave if they don't get the protocol and so this is not the first time she's done that left. And so I invite you to call her up 
and connect and because you have a, a, an impulse, please do that. Please do that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. It's a delicate. Sorry, no, it's fine. And thank you. It's a delicate. It's a very delicate thing. It's basically impossible. What we're trying to do is impossible. And we've succeeded so often, it just blows me away. And so I just want to um, acknowledge everybody has, has a um, and some very highly sensitive detector for the protocol of a space like this. So it can be magical and so it can be precious. And so it can be, so it can be, so we can talk about things we can hardly even name. And, and so uh, people who have, we've done fantastic. And so I, we're still improvising. So I don't, I, won't, I don't pretend to be an expert at this. I think we're all working together really with very high intention and very a lot of skill. And I appreciate that so much. And I appreciate it so much that I will protect it in some ways, even if I have to look like an asshole sometimes. So, but thank you for, I always ask, you know, this is not a cult and it's not a sect and it's not a dictatorship. And it's, it's just this weird thing that I went through you know, 25 years of my life to write this book and it, we're studying it right now. So it, it happens to be, I'm the main space holder right now, but I'm sure you have other spaces where you are the main space holder. And I hope you can make it magical too, because I've been on online spaces before that have been absolutely ordinary, like less than ordinary, been a waste of time over and over again. And so I'm so I'm so excited that we have hacked into some corner of of the online space that makes it so precious. So, but I'm but it's totally crucial that if I start becoming um, a wacko, you know, or some dominant misogynist or whatever, you you guys have to just nail me. So I really appreciate your speaking out, Christina. Thank you. And I noticed that Calista, you had your hand up. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, I wanted to share that this week, my adult children received a book from me, Directing the Power of Consciousness Feelings. <laughs> and three of them are teachers. Wow. And we have a book to discuss together now. Thank you. Ah, oh, Calista. Wow, thank you. I love her. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Janet, Janet, go ahead. Thank you, Calista, thank you. <laughs> Janet, Before going to the lab, I'm here. Before going to the lab, I had been, because of my personality, my box, developing a set of protocols, guidelines, rules about how to do feelings. So when I walked in there into the lab, I was, I had this idea that when a mixed feeling shows up, we must separate it because that's how we get information. That's how we, we get direction, right? We need to unmix. That was super clear. Like that had become like, because I, you know, on these calls, I hear quite often from you, Clinton, um, we've done all these experiments. We've done so many groups. Like we've seen this, you need to unmix. Like if you see it mixed, you need to unmix. So I had that super clear. When I was in the group of three doing 
emotional healing processes. My person that I was, again, this is my first time in the lab and sitting there crossing somebody, she was clearly having mixed feelings, clearly, like obviously, she kept bouncing. It was like a bouncing ball. So I said, okay, um, let's, let's unmix. And the trainer comes by and says, no, do not. Cause you can still go liquid. Like we wanna get them, the, the point here is to go into a liquid state. We don't need to unmix here. Just let her go bouncy ball through this, get her to the liquid state. And it's in the liquid state that you can get information. I have never heard this in any of the call, actually quite the opposite. So in that moment, I will say this was one of probably a dozen, like I got hit often during the lab that like what I'm hearing in these calls and in groups that there's these ways to do things because we've done them and we've experimented and whatnot. And then in the lab, I'm like, oh, okay. So I got a better picture of like not walking in with these guidelines. Like what, what these like, even if someone has studied something for 25 years and we've come, they've come to some conclusion, it doesn't matter in that moment, be in that moment. Like, what is that moment calling for? Do we leave them mixed? Because it's, because we're doing something else. Like, like to have that kind of uh, flexibility with this. I, and I don't, I don't know if people on this call know <clears throat> that like that also happens like where we, where we allow things to stay mixed because we're doing something else. And I, I'd love to hear your comments. Yeah, thank you. Reading a book and studying a book together about what we're studying now in the book, which happens to be feelings and emotions. This is level one of feelings work. <clears throat> so there's level one and a level two of pretty much everything that's in this book. And what's in the book is pretty much level one of everything. So the thing with level one is if you don't do level one, you'll never get to level two. You can't do level two before you do level one. So if you had, for example, gone into the lab and you saw what they were doing, it wouldn't, you wouldn't have any maps at all. I, I remember my first trainings, I had no maps at all as a participant. And it was so upsetting to me because I had no idea at all what's going on. So at least you had some little map of something that's going on. No, but it's totally true in a training space where you're in a transformational circle and you have this ultimate safe space in there that it's oftentimes you let the mixed feelings go on because you have to follow that mess all the way back to where it came from. And there's a treasure back there and you never know it. There isn't a formula really. So, but it, it just takes experience and it takes uh, experience. And then it also takes some experience. And so that's why we really recommend people do 10 labs as a, as a foundational experience body to, to do this stuff. But yeah, thanks for your sharing. It's completely accurate in my mind or my experience like that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Did somebody else have anything right now? Phyllis. Um, I, I, it's Michelle here. I'm very glad uh, that this conversation came about with Janet and Clinton. I'm very glad about that. The reason being is I helped somebody brand new go through an unmixing of emotions. She went liquid 
when she went liquid, she had entities in her back that she couldn't get out. I'm going to call them entities and parasites because that's how they felt for her. And in the moment, she was asking for help energetically, and I decided to help with my own energetic hands. And it worked. And it took us about an hour to get everything out and I would help where she couldn't reach and she would, and I would help her do her own thing in the front. And anyway, you can imagine how loud and messy the police were called and the whole thing. And <laughs> so I feel, I feel really glad to hear this because there was no plan. There's, there was no script. And the other reason I'm glad it's happening in this space is because there is a tendency I've felt in the teams and the groups I'm in to really follow a script mm. as opposed to this is what actually happens in real time sometimes. And uh, anyway, so I'm very glad that, that I heard this. Yeah, when I shared it in a small team, uh, somebody said, I have a lot of fear that you use your own energetic hands as well. And mm. I, now I had to explain myself and that was, that made me feel angry about that, where it worked. Does that make sense, Clinton? Yeah, I, I'm glad you bring it up because it's a tough, it's a tough thing to think of <clears throat> entering this. <clears throat> excuse me. In this complex, multi-dimensional domains, and be told, well, you have to make it up as you go along. You have to keep a very small now and a very small here and a very small I so that you can interact with what's happening in a way that's useful rather than something like nonviolent communication that offers formulas and models and, and you know step-by-step -step procedures. It's, this is just a different thing from that. And so it's it's confusing and it's frustrating and this is, um, I keep encouraging people to just start. I've, I've, the people who are on the trainer path, I say, if, to deliver, to learn to deliver single coaching sessions, plan to do a thousand single coaching sessions. And so there's, there's a couple of people who are, have that as a goal. One lady's already up to 84, I think. She's just She's, go, she's going for a thousand. She's got up to 84 and she's got, I have learned so much. I never thought there was so much to learn and it just only goes in by practicing. And when you, when you work with this stuff, it turns out the universe gives you or people know that you can deliver what they need. So you don't have to worry that you're going to get some really, uh, overwhelming problem or something that's so out of your range, it won't work like that. I don't, there's a really good match somehow between who sits in your chair and what you can offer. You just have to start and commit and commit to serving them. And then, but really over half the process, I don't know how many processes I've delivered, but I over half the processes I still deliver today are things I've never done before. And so it's a matter of, entering the territory and, and um, facing, facing the, what's really there rather than trying to apply some formula on top of it, which will disconnect you. It just disconnects you from the, 
the person and what also disconnects you from what's possible. And so it's like the idea of going in with the attitude, I don't know, <clears throat> is really useful. <clears throat> I can't talk right now, so uh, uh, somebody else talk. Thank you. <laughs> I'm gonna get some water. Uh, I, I wanna share that uh, before I started to do the, the PM work deeply, I was in a state of having an incredible ability of connecting deeply with whoever was in front of me to, to really understand like what they were trying to tell me. And I didn't have these tools that I have now. And then as I've been developing these tools, I found it much harder to be fully in connection with the person in front of me because I'm like shuffling through my tools being like, wait, like, and then what I'm realizing is that it's if the, 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 the work is to overlay those two seamlessly and create a new, uh, you know, a new space where they're, they're fully integrated. And, and I, I guess it's just going to take practice. Yeah. There's another thing about that, which is the more aware you become of the <clears throat> upper middle and underworld that each person shows up in, the more you're like, when I first started, I was basically in a fantasy world of I'm a nice person, they're a nice person, we're just gonna do some feelings work or something. And, and then as I became more and more aware of the shadow sides of people, uh, I didn't wanna see it. I didn't want to believe that somebody would make an assumption that they would change into an expectation that then they would put on me as a projection. And if I did not fulfill their expectation, then they would have a resentment against me and they would support their resentment with other stories and talk to other people about the other stories and create this battle against me as, you know, I'm a nice guy. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to see all that. And yet this is, this is daily stuff. So it could also be something like that, Jeff. Thank you. <coughs> I, I also um, experienced that uh, with the separation, sometimes it comes, it's not only sounds. I, I was um, holding space for, for some women and I don't know why, but uh, in these processes, they always had there were, I don't know, animals and stuck in the liver, colors came out and all kinds of other things in the separation. So it could also be the possibility that's not only sounds, but also uh, various of things that are packed in organs and bones and muscles. So. Um, that's really true. Yeah. It's a sad thing that uh, so many of us can see those kinds of things and it's so discouraged in a place like school, for example, which could be an environment for exploration and discovery and true liberation of potentials, but is so often the opposite of all that. And so I'm so glad, Christina, to hear 
you know, and other people that you are liberating those talents that you have to benefit other people. And I hope that, I hope that you bring apprentices around you. I hope that you keep uh, letting the people who want to learn those things with you come closer to you because mm, you might personally have a very successful journey of discovery and then you die and then how, you know, it's gone then. And so the idea is to right now, starting now, you don't have to be like Gandalf or uh, Dumbledore or somebody like that who <clears throat> in their old age, <coughs> calls in <coughs> apprentices. <coughs> Remind me not to separate anger and fear when I'm doing an online session again, okay? It's really rough. <laughs> yeah, so get your apprentices now. Really, two or three people, let them come around, let them ask questions, explain what you're doing, show them how to do it. There's people around who would love to get supported that way and just make it part of your daily world that you have some apprentices to, to learn with you. Even if you think you're at the beginning of your path or if you're beginning of your adventure, really bring them around. It's, it's a shame to let so much discovery, like Christina, what you just shared is, is fantastic. I never heard anybody say that before, that during the separation, there's this other stuff coming off of organs. I didn't see it before. So please keep talking about it, okay? And, and showing other people how to do it. Thank you. Okay, Shannon, Shannon, go. We're at page 99, come on, we can make it to 100. Our fear of fear, section 5D. Our fear of fear, following signals from evolution. We pretend to be afraid of fear. Every year, millions of people around the world swarm to amusement parks to feel the intense fear produced when dropping straight down on roller coasters, crashing into solid barriers on wild rides, or seeing ghosts and skeletons in the haunted house. We crave fear and arrange to experience it on a daily basis by driving unsafely, eating and drinking unhealthily, flirting or having affairs in secret, breaking the law in little ways, exposing ourselves to terror in the news and on television, studying conspiracy theories, cataclysm scenarios or predictions of doomsday meditating on World War II Holocaust images or the techniques of serial killers, lying, engaging in gossip, playing in rough physical sports, and even by watching action films and reading Gothic novels. Perhaps you have had the experience that no matter where your conversation starts with certain older people, it inevitably leads to them recounting their horror experiences from the war, whatever war they happen to be in. 
The times they were most afraid were also the times they were most awake. Clearly, we are not afraid of feeling fear. Rather, our box strategically pretends to be afraid of feeling fear so as to avoid experiences that might change its established behaviors and attitudes. Pretending to be afraid of fear might protect our personal status quo, but sooner or later, we might question the cost of continuing this self-deception. Those behaviors we protect from exposure to evolution easily harden into suits of armor that restrict our movement to predictable patterns. And the evolutionary forces we hide from may turn out to be those influences that are the most dear, our hearts, our inspiration, our passion, and our love. Feeling afraid of fear is the most common reason for avoiding intimacy, even with the people closest to us. I just witnessed a mother discover why she avoided physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual intimacy with her own children. Deep in her heart, she had an emotional scar that made her afraid of children in general, especially wild or loud children, especially boys. As a child, she was teased at school for her fine clothes for being neat and pretty, and for being smart. Half the children admired her and wanted to be her friend, but the other half hated her and tormented her constantly. They would pinch her and rip at her clothes. One time after school, some of the boys jumped out from behind the bushes and kicked her in the stomach. She was not able to take care of herself and a fear of children entered her body with such force that it lasted into adulthood. Her fear of children prevented her from bonding with or even simply being with her own children, all three of whom were boys. Her fear of boy children was so unconscious so she was making decisions based on her fear without knowing that her decisions were based on fear. In her perception, the decisions seemed rational or practical. Her box filled in the gap of cognitive dissonance with the understandable reasons. Sadly, the decisions resulted in her keeping distance from her sons before she realized that she herself was creating the separation. This woman's healing process began when she changed her mind from, or she changed her mind about fear. Before the experience of fear told her that something was, something bad was about to happen. Feeling fear meant that she was about to be hurt or was actually in the process of being hurt. The connection between the feeling of fear and the experience of being physically hurt was established a long time ago in quite different circumstances from what she experienced now as an adult woman. With coaching, she made a new decision about fear. 
Fear no longer meant that she was about to be hurt. Fear became a neutral experience without meaning. The wiring in her mind changed from fear equals being attacked to fear equals fear. Fear is fear. The new wiring is true. The new wiring opens the door for her to use the wisdom and energy of fear to inform and empower her life. After some practice with her new decision, this mother could freely feel fear, even maximum archetypal fear, as fear became an acceptable and recognizable experience in her life. She noticed that she experienced fear around her sons, which was a complete surprise to her. The fear had been there all the while, but now she could experience the feeling consciously without automatically taking defensive or separative actions to protect herself. By letting the fear get larger and larger, she suddenly saw that the fear was not actually about her children, but rather about children in general. She could trace the fear of children back to its source in the incidents of her childhood. While being badgered and attacked by her schoolmates, she had made a life-shaping decision. Children are dangerous. Seeing her old decision with clarity permitted her to reassess the situation and make a new decision. I am no longer a child, I am an adult woman. As an adult woman, I can easily take care of myself around children. Children are not dangerous. Children are children. As a result of her new decision, she is not automatically afraid of children anymore, but neither is she naive. She can open herself to children because she can take care of herself around children. She can use her voice, make boundaries, say no, express her feelings and ask for what she needs. Being close to her sons has now become a warm and safe experience. Thank you. Shannon, thanks for reading, you're doing great. Thank you, Clinton. the reason why Shannon read this piece. Were you asking or saying? Ah, yes. <clears throat> okay. Uh, there are so many dimensions in the piece that we just read here. And there's so many dimensions to how fear and our relationship to fear shapes and limits and constrains our ability to relate and connect. Um, Let's, let's check this out for a little bit. 
Does somebody have a, something to share about that? And, and in addition to that, Phyllis, I thought you were going to say something before. I thought you started to say something before. Any case, the floor is open. I was gonna say that teachers are hungry to understand their own feelings. That, that, that was my experience. That, and I had many teachers come to me and ask me for some help around that, but it was particularly around anger. So I just wanted to say that because it, it sparked something in me that, um, that that's, that would be a service that would be, that is actually, would be appreciated by teachers. Thank you. I have something to share on this. Go ahead. <laughs> There's, <clears throat> I live with this person who, um, well, I'll, I'll give the story briefly. Uh, basically, I gave him some feedback on his gremlin the other day in a space where uh, I, I felt my protector come up in the space and say, say something really directly to him about his gremlin. And then afterwards, he was like, I'd love to talk to you more about this. Can we set up time? And um, basically, we set up time and then I, I delayed it and I delayed it again. And the next time he approached me, uh, I was like, yeah, I'm not sure if I have time to like this really wishy washy thing happening. And he got mad and said, I'm, I'm not willing to put this off another day. And so in between the time that we met and the time that he said that to me, uh, it just had given me enough of a, a shock to like, what the hell's going on with me? And the first thing I said when we met up is I, I'm scared. I feel scared of entering spaces with you to share with you. And it's not because I'm afraid he'll get mad. It's because of the intimacy. I um, am afraid of the intimacy. And so we were able to come up with like a deal around how we experiment with this in our relationship going forward. Um, and I was touched. I, I felt really touched uh, to have that experience with him. Wow, thank you. <clears throat> I think if I was to formulate an experiment that I would invite us to, to do this week, it is to use our fear as a guideline for what to negotiate in our relationships is to you look at somebody or you think about them and you notice the fears the subtle low-level fears that come up with regards to those people <clears throat> one at a time and you, you 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 make an offer negotiations are about making and accepting or modifying offers and so you look at the person and think of that question we were talking about before is like, okay, what, what would make it, what would make it work better? What would, what would make me, what is my fear telling me I need to ask for? What could I propose? What could I negotiate about? And so you, you were making a, a fine example of how to, how you negotiated 
what you were waiting for, you know, what you were uh, actually wanting or needing that you perhaps didn't weren't able to say before. And so that's how you negotiate and you did it. So I, I just wanna say that's a great example for all of us. Uh, if we wanna try this week to think of the people, scan around, okay, where, what, where's some fear coming up and use the, the intelligence of the fear as a guideline for what to um, propose and take some risks along those lines because it's just because you're afraid of it does not mean you should not do it. That's, that's the point is that um, if we're on the old map of feelings and fear is bad, then the fear comes up and we just go back. Fear comes up and we stop, we block. And on the new map of feelings, which we're all on because we're, we're on page 101 already, then when the fear comes up, we go, okay, fear, what do you have for me? What do you have for me? And you open the door and you let the fear talk to you. And you can even write it down. I write it down sometimes. I say, fear, what do you have for me? And I write down two or three things. And then I say, thank you, fear. And I close the door. And I get to decide what I do with what the fear told me. The fear does not get to decide. So the fear informs me. The fear gives me its intelligence and energy. But it does not get to decide. So I would encourage if you if you want to experiment this week with using the secret fears that you have, the secret fears that you've been suppressing or hiding or blocking, is to actually call upon your fear. Say, hello, fear, what do you have for me? And let it speak to you, let it in, write it down, and then say thank you. And you might be, you might have a, a totally new relationship to the fear come up as an ally. Yeah, thanks, Devin. Somebody else. I'm not hearing you. Can everybody else hear? Can you hear me? Uh, now, okay. Can you hear me? Yeah. Um, you asked at the beginning if anyone's if there are any experiments that anyone's trying, and um, you know I've been reading a lot about deep in, into the king warrior magician lover, and I started to come up with a meditation where I sit in circle with my king warrior magician lover, and I ask for guidance, and it's been really it's been it's been a very um, a very joyful practice for me. Can you give um, an example and of I, the story? Can you, can you give us an uh, example? I, I don't have a specific example because I'm just kind of formulating it and just kind of try, trying to visualize my, my different archetypes in form about as if they were sitting around me, like we were sitting in circle together. Um, and so I'm still forming it, but it's been really, I don't know, it's just been, really rewarding for me to to work on this and you know un understand what they look like to me so that i can start to really create a space where we sit together and they help provide their wisdom uh to me so thank and you this book is fantastic if 
Yeah, especially the appendix in the back is really great. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to offer you a couple of things with that. Do, uh, do you know you know your clicker? Your clicker. And you know how the king, warrior, magician, lover are associated with the four feelings from the map of possibility. There's a website called Map of Possibility. And so what that means is you can sit in a circle and with no problem at a goal, go anger, sadness, fear, joy, and they will just show up. You just call them that way. You don't have to imagine them. It is not an imagination thing. It's an energetic body thing. It's very uh, helpful to distinguish between your imagination, which is in your mind. It's associated with your mind and connected into that. Whereas energetic body is a declaration where you're causing something to occur at the energetic level does not require imagination. And so, so if you can distinguish those two things, then to call upon the king, warrior, magician, lover, or the queen, warrioress, sorceress, lover, to call them is to say, you, 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 and you. You just call them by name and, and you've got them. You don't have to wait around at all. That's just a, a tool that's been very helpful for me to distinguish. Cool, thank you. Somebody else, anything else? Hi, Clinton, this is Mia. Hi, Mia, and everybody, I have fear. Um, I, I want to share an archetypal experience that I had two days ago in nature, but I have a lot of fear about sharing it because it's so archetypal and extraordinary that it might not seem true or real. And, but I have so much joy about sharing it. Um, but I have fear also, because I, I don't really have the words to describe exactly what happened, but yeah, like I experienced a gateway into a portal and I wanna share it with everybody, but I have a lot of fear about it. That's all I wanna say, thank you. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, you made a great preview. What, what if we click and we want to actually see the thing? What if, what if we all vote and we go, everybody who wants me to tell us this story, put your hand up. Okay. All right. Okay. Now, now what are you going to do? Mia, what are you going to do? We're all, you set it up. We all voted and even Pontus wants to hear it. So, well, come on. Well, Catherine, Catherine, who's on this call, was with me. It's it's very intense. This what happened, um, and words sort of minimize it. So, I I want to share it with everybody in this space because it was it really beyond extraordinary. But I'm not I'm not ready yet. But I just wanted to let you know that I, I, I do want to share it with you one day. I'm just not, I need more integration with it. And I, I have a lot of fear. So I, I just, I will share it with you one day. Just not right now. Okay.
Thank you. So everybody, you got to come back next week because Mia's going to tell us maybe next week <laughs> or maybe the week after. <laughs> so it is 6.30 now. Ingrid, are you going to say something? Yeah, I want to ask something. Uh, you you, you uh, told us about the clickers and to, 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 to get in the space the... the the, the the lover the warrior the so, so uh, the ma ma magician and uh, uh, and the king or the queen uh, and I, I want to ask something about the clicker thing you know what what I really love about possibility management and what what is really new for me is that you 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 change room or space or energy like that with from one second to another one. And for me before it was, I need time, meditation to connect, to, to, to find this space. And, and uh, I'm really experimenting much more with the clicker stuff also to be centered and to set my grounding code and the bubble and everything. And at the beginning, I had always a feeling, oh, uh, what I'm doing here? <laughs> Is it really working? And and I discover more and more. Yes, I get a new new um, way to change space and energy quickly, and that is so so new for me. And so, um, yeah, I yeah, it's so. It's really opening a new a new world. Also, uh, when I'm present, that I that I have the the power to change something so quickly, and and I, I just want to 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 hear more uh, from your experience about that, please. <laughs> <clears throat> The, the tools, almost all the tools in possibility management, we've learned them empirically. So they did not come from a, a, a teaching or a, a teacher. We've really, as a team, different people in the team, discover them that they work and how they work. And so it isn't a theory. To me, it's the other way around. I, we discover stuff that works and then I go, how does this work? And it takes years for me sometimes to figure stuff out. But a few months ago, it wasn't so long ago, <clears throat> I've been working with gaps. I've been working with different kinds of gaps. And if you imagine a space, for example, a space of relationship or a space of this conversation is a space. And you have different spaces all during your day and you can make them conscious and you can enter them consciously and exit them consciously. You can create them consciously and vanish them consciously. You can clean them out consciously. You can call other elements into the space consciously. This is all energetic body stuff that modern culture does not teach us anything about. So the only way we have an energetic body. It's so obvious when somebody puts their glass on the table too close to your space, you feel it. 
when they put their cup or they, they reach in your space and move your fork at the table. You know, you just can't do that to somebody, move their fork because you're in their space and we can feel it so clearly. <clears throat> so we have the energetic sensations, we have energetic bodies. And so there's this question of, if you have a space and then you have another space that's next to it, that you're not in that space, but you know it exists. Like right now, and Chloe is in the other room over there and I know she's in some other space. I don't know what space it is. And the same where you are, the other people around you. For example, if you live in an apartment building, you know we're all living in an apartment building and it's all one space, really. It's one building. But we energetically, Let's go, this is my apartment, that's their apartment, you know? And so when some of the noise from their apartment comes into our apartment, it doesn't feel right. Cause it's our, it's, this is our space, that's their space. Keep your space to yourself. <clears throat> so we're very aware of spaces, but the thing is that between two spaces is a gap. It doesn't matter how close you push things together there's gotta be a gap, because if there was no gap, it would be one space. You get that? It would, if, there's no, if there's no thing, and the gap doesn't have to be huge. The gap can be you know, as thin as a piece of paper. That's how the gap can be that small. But there is a gap between spaces. So this is one of the kinds of gaps that you can work with is a gap in space. Well, the thing is, well, what's in the gap then? And the way to find out is go in the gap. But if you go in the gap, you're gonna have a feeling. What feeling will you feel if you go in the gap? Fear. Yeah. So if it's not okay to feel fear, and that's why we're having these conversations. If it's not okay to feel fear, you won't go in the gap. Because what's in the gap? Ingrid, you have to leave your microphone on, come on. Ingrid, can you turn your microphone on? Yeah, fear, fear. Yeah, what's, okay. So, but what is in the gap? Nothing. A. Free fall. Yes. So what's possible in the gap? Not knowing. What Be else open. is possible? What is possible in that gap? To stay in the gap. Yes. What's possible in the gap? To enter the old space or the new space? <laughs> Florian, <clears throat> Florian, what's possible in the gap? Oh, I was thinking everything. Everything is possible in the gap. Everything is possible okay. in the gap. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Well, this turns out to be a very interesting place because, you know, there's no real space for you as a personality or a box or your needs or your concepts or anything like that to go in the space. 
in the gap because the gap's only this big. There's not much space. But you can go in there as long as you're not carrying a bunch of extra baggage with you. And if you let go of all your baggage, again, you might feel fear. But Ingrid, you wouldn't be having this question unless you were okay with leaving your baggage behind. So between these spaces, between every space is this gap of spaces, a gap between spaces. And just, I'm working with nine different kinds of gaps. So this is only one of them. So a gap between spaces, a gap in space, what's in there is nothing. There's nothing in there. Well, well, when you go in there, when you go into that nothingness, that nothingness is the same as the nothingness that's between any other space in the labyrinth of spaces. There's a great labyrinth of spaces where all possible spaces exist. And everything between each of those spaces is a gap. Well, what's in the gap is nothing. And the nothing that's between these two spaces is the same as the nothing between these two spaces is the same as the nothing between any other spaces. So you can go from your space into the gap between spaces and get to any other space from here. That's why every space is connected to every other space. See, I knew it for a long time that every space was connected to every other space and that you can get to anywhere from here, but I didn't know why before. And the why is because there's a gap between the spaces and what's in there is nothing and the nothing is the same between all spaces. So it's like a <clears throat> multi-dimensional wormhole. You can shift in an instant, really, from one space into the gap to any other space you want to get to. Bye, Janet. Yeah. Thank you. This makes me so joyful. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it makes me joyful too. <laughs> cool, yeah. It's not every space that you get to talk about that conversation in. So thanks for being the space where we can have that conversation. I just, I just, this is me again. Hi again. I just want to let everybody know that I shared my story in the, um, I typed it. So that's it. And if you want to know more and if you want to go, if you want to know more and you want to go to this place, I'll take you there. All you have to do is, is fly to Colorado. You just have to fly into Colorado somewhere and we'll go together. I'll take you there. It's only three hours from where I live. Wow. That's my Thank you. See, see, miracles are happening all over the place. Mia, how's the fear doing? Better. I, 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 wait, I feel wait, like wait, I can. Wait a minute. What? If you say better, it implies worse. <laughs> you get Yeah, the, it was terrible. The fear was terrible. <laughs> that implies good or bad about fear. And we're just talking about fear is fear. It can't be good or bad. It can't be positive or negative. So it can't be better or worse. 
So if I ask you about the fear, you're saying it's doing better. That means that before it was doing worse. Okay, that's the old map of fear. So the new map of fear, you could say, well, my fear, it used to be 80, 88%, and now it's down to 18.5%. And what my fear is really about is that you guys are going to laugh at me or that I'm going to be burned at the stake again like a witch because I'm doing wild stuff and I didn't get permission. Or people are going to, so we're going to put me in a crazy house. You know, th this is a real fears. You know, so you can just say I have eight, it used to be 88% intense fear. Now it's 18 and a half percent fear. And that's how it's doing right now. So therefore it's not better or worse or good or bad or anything. And looks like you're gonna have a big party in Colorado with a bunch of wild because <laughs> everybody's signing up for your offer because we heard your <laughs> offer. <clears throat> so you have to figure out how, what people have to bring if they have to bring sleeping bags and their well maybe we can I have joy because maybe we can do this gathering all at the same time like like a year from now or two years from now because there's there's a um, facility there that can that can, can hold us all all right so I, yeah I think your invitation has been received <laughs> Jeff's going a year from now. Hell no. I want to go next week. It's going to be winter soon. <laughs> well, we can go more than once. Mia, you'll have to do this a few times a year, I guess, probably. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm feeling like this would be a great place to wrap it up for today. Did anybody else have anything else they wanted to say right now? I want to I'm... share. Oh, go Phyllis. No, it's okay. No, Phyllis. Go well, ahead. Phyllis is my fellow, fellow, Phyllis is one of my fellow 333 practitioners. And um, it's, it's, it's very powerful what we do in that space. And, uh, and, and on Fridays, we now practice, uh, in addition to anger and fear, we now do sadness and then joy. Mm. And we had a very powerful connection this past Friday. Wow. Afterwards, a really beautiful, just this, it was just this space of amazing women and connection. And uh, anyway, I digress. Um, so on Saturday, Vera had this possibility team call and, um, in that space, I, I had fear come up and I muted myself, but <clears throat> I was able to connect to that fear and, and something shifted between Saturday and Sunday, something powerful shifted. And, and so, and Ingrid mentioned, you know, being able to do it in a snap. And I know that 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 shift was able to happen because we've been practicing the three, three, three. We've been doing that intentionally. And, and I felt that fear through my body. Like I have never felt fear in my life. And it was, it was a wild ride. 
And, and when it was, when it was done, I, I was in awe. And just now after reading the reading and Jeff commenting that he could tell I was affected, I stepped off camera to go scream <laughs> and, and really feel my fear. And then, and then, and then I went and I felt my sadness and I came back into the space and giving myself those moments throughout the day to go and do that is changing my life. I am so grateful <clears throat> to all of you. I love it's it's amazing to you, you come into this space and you know, oh, there's that person and that person, and now it's like, oh, I love that person and I love that person. Yeah. Hey, next time, Shannon, will you just scream on the screen? Come on. I did it. I did it. Come on. It was Okay. <laughs> okay. You were talking and you were you were saying really important stuff and it was coming through clearly. Just mute your microphone and go for it. Really. Okay. We Okay. Cool. Thank you. I promise. All right. Uh, cool. I just have something that relates that relates to fear. Um so so when I ask myself, fear, what do you have to offer me? I come up with pretty bland, ordinary, like old map and new map kinds of things. So I'm asking for other possibilities, please. Is, is there a problem with the bland fear things? It feels limiting. It feels like there's more than that, that I'm not accessing. There's this, Phyllis, there's, I don't know if this applies. This is a question. You could do this experiment or I will also do it. But I, I started to experiment with joy and drinking orange juice. And so it's like, I love orange juice or even eating mangoes and stuff like that. So. I take a sip of orange juice and then I check to see if I can feel the, the ecstatic joy of feeling that little sip of orange juice and it goes away and I can, but it goes away in 15 seconds or 20 seconds, mostly, you know? So, but the point is, can I feel the joy in those 15 seconds? Because if I can't feel the joy in those 15 seconds, I'm not going to feel joy for an hour. I can't, you know what I mean? It won't, it won't really open up. So that was a really useful experiment for me, but let, you can try it with fear. Let's do it with fear. So when the fear is like, I'm afraid that I'm going to get sunburned. I'm afraid that I left a window open in the next room or I'm afraid that it's getting late and I have to go do something, whatever. Whatever the mundane fear is. And, but I'm gonna open up to that for those three seconds or those five seconds of fear and go, yes. And because then, then it has permission to give me the bigger stuff. And there's plenty of bigger stuff. There's a lot, there's a lot to be afraid of. 
And so, and there's a, and it's useful. It, it puts you more on track with what to do next, with what your job is, with what you're here for, all that. So the experiment is to go ahead and instead of rejecting the, the short fear with it, uh, this is mundane, this is nothing, you're judging the fear, you're not making it safe for the big fears to come, the bigger fears. So it would be like that experiment to, to work in a stepwise, the small stuff first, and then, then that would be a ground for a foundation for the bigger stuff to happen. That's, that's something I... Okay. I'll try it, thanks. Yeah, somebody else may have something else for you. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for today. I'm, I'm amazed at the technical difficulties and the, my speechlessness and people leaving the meeting being frustrated and freaked out and all these things. So uh, we'll have a great week. And I look forward to seeing you next Monday. Clinton, do you want to test the sound? Do I what? Ah, to do yeah, a sound test? I'll get back to you later about that, Florian, okay? okay? Different time. Okay, thanks a lot. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Great to see you.